0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Reading Materials Podcast, a podcast in which two friends get together every couple of weeks to read a book and then talk about it on the show. My name is Lucia. And my name is Corey. And before we dive into our main chunk of the episode, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm
1: alright. Uh, not too much to report. We've had my mum to visit. We've had Will's family to visit. Work. Mm. parent
0: yeah you getting ready for the first birthday or is it too far away still yeah
1: <laughs> no i've been getting ready for months <laughs> not really but um yeah we've decided that we're going to because he was born on christmas eve i'm not mm. sure if that was ever made clear to everybody uh, so we've decided we're going to stay at home uh for the morning of christmas eve and do presents and try just have a nice time with edward here And then we're going to go to Will's parents and have a little mini birthday party with them in the afternoon, which will be really fun. That's nice.
0: Yeah. We'll be spending Christmas in Ireland this year. For those listening, we're recording this. It's the middle of, well, almost the middle of November. So I don't remember when this airs. It might be after Christmas, but if it is, then... The plan was, at this point, to spend Christmas in Ireland, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Have you been reading anything outside of the podcast?
1: I have, yes. I have done a full reread of Harry Potter. It'll shock you to learn. I've been reading The Northern Lights again. Oh, cool. I'm halfway through The Amber Spyglass, which is the third one in the trilogy, and, well, it's the His Dark Materials trilogy, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's been a long time since I read them. And it's a lot more complicated than I remember it being. Mm.
0: Yeah, I remember I read them all when I was a teenager. And then Andreas and I listened to the first one as an audiobook five years ago, I think, before we got engaged. And then we started listening to the second one at home. But we just couldn't focus on it. It was so much easier to be listening when you're driving because we listened to it on a road trip. But by the time we got to the second book, we were so confused about who is what and where and why. Because they mm-hmm. introduce Will, right? The, yeah. the main male character. And yeah, we were both just very confused by him. So
1: yeah. It is. I think there's a lot of political and religious subtext, which mm. as a child you haven't got a clue about. And as an adult, you're trying to unpick, mm-hmm. subconsciously, you're trying to unpick where it's all come from. And if you can't brush that aside and just enjoy the story, it's a very different read to it was when it was a child's
0: book. Yeah, agreed. Did you watch the newest adaptation?
1: I watched the first series and then I moved in with Will, who... Uh, made me watch the whole of The West Wing, and then I got distracted, and I haven't carried on. But but now that I've reread them, or will have finished rereading them, probably by today, I would
0: like to. We watched the first season as well, and then we didn't really get back to it.
1: And I've also started reading A Discovery of Witches by Deborah Harkness,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: I started reading on Kindle, and then I just ran out of time. <laughs> And I don't have it on audiobook. So I'm kind of stopped halfway through. But I'm really enjoying that. Okay.
0: Yeah. I did not. I tried to read it three times and I stopped each time. And Jess has been reading them and she finished the first two and then she gave up on the third one. She just said it, it got a bit too silly. So I'm curious if you'll continue liking it.
1: Yeah. I'm. I'm. It must be said I'm right at the beginning of the first one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing that really helps is that my brother in law's girlfriend slash, hang on, I'm gonna re, my brother in law's partner, uh, really loves them. They're like her favourite books. So mm-hmm. that's definitely biased to me because she's been, you know, so enthusiastic about them that I can't help but be enthusiastic to kind of understand where she's coming from a little bit. I understand. Cool. Yeah.
0: Have you been doing any...
1: Well, I know you've been reading outside our part of the podcast.
0: I have, yeah. i reading Crescent City for the season that I'm doing with Jess. And I got hooked back into my ice hockey reverse harem romance by Emily Rath. And currently, my main focus is the book Rules of the Road, because I'm studying for my theory driver's test. So yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm reading now. That's that's exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. Yes. But are you learning to drive already? No, no. So here in Ireland, I don't know how it is in the UK. First, you have to pass your theory test. Then you're given like a learner's permit and you, that's when you start your actual driving lessons, mm-hmm. but you can't sit the test, like the actual driving test until at least six months after you've done your theory test. So the earliest that I would be able to do it would be next May or next June at this point, which is not ideal. I had hoped to get it out of the way much sooner than that. I can, I don't mm. know. For me, I thought. I understand I have to do a certain number of hours, but I, I just assume that I can decide how often I want the lessons, and it shouldn't really matter. So, but evidently not. Mm. So we'll see. Wowzers! Yeah. But one step at a time, let's pass the, the, the theory test first and then yeah. <laughs> deal with the rest. Well,
1: exciting anyway.
0: Yeah. So that's what I've been reading. (laughs)
1: Very good. (laughs) I bet it's gripping.
0: So interesting. So much Got a good plot. Mm.
1: Twists, turns, stop signs. (laughs) Indeed.
0: Yep, yep. So what did we read for today's episode?
1: We read A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Foz Meadows. Mm Mm-hmm. And I haven't done too much reading up about Fosmeadows because we interviewed them mm-hmm. uh a few weeks ago now in real time, and the episode came out at the beginning of November. yep, so if you want to go and learn more about Fosmeadows there, there are no spoilers to the book in that episode uh well, not many anyway, hmm. And Foz is an Australian author who lives in California with their husband and son. And the book has a sequel that is coming out on the 5th of December, 2023, Mm -hmm. which I think it will be out by the time this airs. I think so, yeah. And yeah, we had a really interesting chat with Foz. So I'm going to leave their sort of author profile Blank Mm -hmm. for the rest of this episode. Yep. Yeah, and I chose it because I was just trying to expand our author horizons. We kind of both tend to get a bit typecast into reading female and fairly mainstream authors. So I was trying Mm -hmm. to just find non-mainstream, non-binary authors Rather mm-hmm. than focusing on the type of book, do you have the blurb? I do. I am calling out right now, so here we go. A strange and stubborn endurance by Foz Meadows. Stolen me as soon to say a ca- caged bird can be stolen by the sky. Velison Vin Auro never planned to marry at all, let alone a girl from neighbouring Tithana. When an ugly confrontation reveals his preference for men, Vell fears he has ruined the diplomatic union before it can even begin. But while his family is ready to disown him, the Tithana envoy has different plans, for Vell to marry his former intended's brother instead. Keithari Eduria always knew he might end up in a political marriage, But his sudden betrothal to a man from Ralia, where such relationships are forbidden, comes as a shock. With an unknown faction willing to kill to end their new alliance, Val and Kay have no choice but to trust each other. Survival is one thing, but love, as both will learn, is quite another. Byzantine politics, lush sexual energy and a queer love story that is by turns sweet and sultry, Foz Meadows' A Strange and Stubborn Endurance is an Exploration of Gender, Identity and Self-Worth. It is a book that will live in your heart long after you turn the last page. Mm-hmm. And that is the Goodreads blurb.
0: Yeah. Yes. Shall I start us off? Go for it. With uh, full disclosure, I did not finish this book. Mm-hmm. I got 50% of the way through. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say. And honestly... It's not because I wasn't enjoying it. It's not that I didn't like it and wasn't interested to see where the story would go. It was genuinely just a case of life has been so busy recently. Mm -hmm. And I had hoped that I would have time to read while we were on holiday in Cyprus and in Slovakia, but that just didn't happen. So I mostly read on the plane there and back. And this is how much I managed to do. And since we got back, I've just been... Swamped with work, so mm. I didn't finish it, unfortunately. But what I did read, I I quite liked. I wouldn't say it's, you know, a standout read so far this year. But currently, I would be maybe around three, three and a half stars based on what I have read so far. Mm-hmm. So those are my initial thoughts, and then I can get into the details of the plot that I remember (laughs) Mm -hmm. after you tell me your thoughts.
1: I have very mixed feelings about the book. And I think they've also been really affected by having spoken to Foz Mm -hmm. because I really liked Foz and it makes me not want to be like, oh, I didn't like this book, but I didn't, I didn't hate the book. I didn't love the book. I think it's, it's probably three and a half, four stars for me. But I think it was just, it was a very polarised book from the point of view that, for example, we start off in a world where it's really repressed and in a modern developed country we would say backwards because any kind of queerness is completely frowned upon and it's all very much... You, If you're the son of a nobleman, you're expected to behave in a certain way. And and then it goes to this really idealized world where everything is accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, there are three genders, which are male, female. And then, oh, Kemi, I think is the third one, uh, which is basically non-binary. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like basically any kind of sexual preference or relationship is accepted and it just felt a little bit unrealistic Mm -hmm. for me and then there was so much going on that it was a little bit difficult to care about the plot at certain points Mm -hmm. because there was so much world building that yeah i found myself just getting lost in detail
0: yeah i i think i would agree with that i think for me Maybe one of the things that made it difficult to get really drawn into the story was perhaps the writing style for me. It felt very more reminiscent of the classics that we had read previously, Mm. more so than the modern literature that we've been reading, say, this season. Even though this is a book that came out a year ago, it came out in 2022, I think Mm. the style and the language used was more, it felt a bit dated, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And whilst I did like the characters, I don't know. I felt like I didn't really feel the tension of the external conflict. I wanted Mm -hmm. more of the relationship between the two main characters. I didn't really understand where the conflict was coming from. But maybe that's just because I stopped so early. Maybe it becomes super apparent later on. I don't know. Mm. You can tell me. But yeah, those are kind of, I think, the style mostly. And also a lot of new language. We talked about that with Foz, about how they Mm. come up with the language for their stories and, you know, these magical worlds that they're creating, which I thought was really interesting. But it does take a while for a reader to fully understand what's going on, I think
1: yes and, and just as an example so I've I've managed to remember the word chemi for mm-hmm. the third gender mm. but that's only because I saw it in a review there's all sorts of other things so there's like there was a new word for transgender there was a new word for for, for gay or lesbian mm-hmm. and it. I don't remember what any of them are it, it must be said I read this book probably more than a month ago at this point
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that's quite a lot to do with it. But yeah. um yeah, it does it does make it a little bit difficult to not only read it but also now to discuss it. <laughs> mm, <for laughs> having sure, not yeah,
0: written yeah. any of that down. Yeah. And all the titles as well for all the different people and their roles within society are also like I'm blanking completely on any of the titles. I think the only one I can remember is Tithana. Is that no Tithana That's is a, a place, country. But yeah. what do, what are they actually called what are what are their titles they call i literally could not tell you i don't know is it Tiern or something like that i don't know oh yes yes that's right yeah yeah but yeah a lot of different names a lot of different titles so it's it's just a bit much to keep track of maybe maybe this is more along the lines of the quotation marks high fantasy than what i'm used to yeah so those are my kind of problems
1: and I think the other thing is that it's the kind of book that would probably really benefit from a reread. Mm. Because once you've got to grips with all of that stuff, you could go back and suddenly understand the context a lot more. Yeah. What, one of the things in the blurb was it's Byz- Byzantine politics. I think we all know at this point that I am a political Luddite. I don't know much about politics. I find politics really intimidating. And so I I probably wrongly steer away from it so that kind of stuff just passes straight over me I don't even know what Byzantine politics means Yep. Yeah. so th- it's it's an entire part of the book that is really crucial to the plot that <laughs> goes way over my head
0: mm-hmm. yeah I know what you mean the magic system as well because I mean this is a fantasy so it does take place in a world where magic exists I don't understand who has magic. Can anyone learn magic? How does the magic work? So I struggled with that as well. And also Mm. I just felt like the pacing was quite slow. I mean, I got 50% of the way through and it's okay. So the book is 500 pages long, which the ice hockey romance that I was just mentioning is 700 pages long. And I read that Mm. in three days. Mm -hmm. So it's not as if I can't read long books quickly if i get really into it but with mm. this one i was really struggling mm-hmm. to get even past the 50%. <laughs> mm. so it just felt like not much happened even in those It's very
1: much more like a Lord of the Rings epic mm. type rather than an an easy read.
0: Yeah. So okay, i feel like we've we've said a lot of negative things. So maybe <laughs> let's try and take a step back and actually yeah. talk about certain characters so yeah do you want to talk about velison or do you want to talk about kathari first
1: i'll start with velison because he's the first one that we get introduced to so velison is the son of a lord he is from ralia which as we've said is a really repressed country he is gay and that is absolutely not allowed so he does not live on his father's estate or anywhere near his father. He lives in the main city in Ralia, where things are a lot more accepted if you find yourself in the right circles. So he's sort of a little bit of a party prince, lives Lives a really nice life in Ralia with a circle of lovers. And he has Markle, who is his best friend, who is actually his manservant, but they can hide the fact that they are best friends, which, again, in this society would be a complete no-no by the fact that Markle is mute and they communicate by sign language. We will discuss that in greater detail later when we talk about Markle, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And Velison has a lover whose name I don't remember. Killick. Killick, that's it. And he is... That, well, he's he's either Velocin's most recent lover or he is his most recent ex-lover. I can't remember exactly which. Not important. Mm-hmm. Velocin gets called back to his father's estate and that's where the book starts. And he's told that he's been betrothed to this princess from uh, Tithonai. Uh, I think that's Lysaia. Mm-hmm. He is horrified because... He has no interest in women whatsoever, but he's a dutiful son, so he agrees to it because he needs to do what he is expected to do. He stands to inherit a lot of land because he is the oldest son through deaths in the family. Previously, I think there were two older brothers and neither of them are around anymore. Is that right?
0: I think so. Isn't his oldest brother still alive? I thought the middle brother died. I could be wrong. I I, I genuinely don't remember. I don't remember either.
1: I thought <laughs> that he was a catch because he was he stood to inherit all the stuff. Anyway, it's irrelevant anyway, because um, Killick follows Velison to his father's estate, and there he rapes Velison in the garden. And it is a pretty traumatic scene. I will have to insert a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, which we have forgotten to do so far. Mm -hmm. And they are caught in the act. And that's how Velison's father discovers that he is gay. He doesn't realise or he doesn't care that it's a rape. He just sees his son with another man and immediately is horrified because this is a very repressed country and basically immediately disowns velison Mm -hmm. and the messenger what's the word i'm looking for the envoy envoy that's the word uh from tithani who has come to thrash out the marriage details is obviously finds out about all of this and very quickly comes up with a plan that instead of marrying the daughter of the king slash nobleman i don't think he's quite the king uh he will velison will marry the son kathari and so that's all very quickly organized because velison's father wants nothing more to do with him and they leave and go to Tithani. I probably won't say too much more about the plot because we'll get there in other sections, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's an incredibly emotionally traumatic event that happens. I mean, physically traumatic as well, but, but the emotional consequences of it follow Velocin throughout the rest of the book, obviously as it would. And I was astonished that within the first sort of 50 pages, in fact, 30 pages, we had this huge event happening mm-hmm. that really sets up the rest of the book. I thought it was an extremely brave move by the author.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It took me about quite a lot. I I kind of put the book down at that point and said to Will, like, oh my God, I'm not. I've not even started this book yet and we've already had this really awful... It's not described in great detail physically, mm-hmm. but you really get the sense of what it's done to Ellison emotionally. Yes,
0: I we discussed this with Foz. We asked them, yeah, um, you know what it was like for them to write this scene, and the fact that it came in so early. I think that was a really interesting discussion. So, for anyone who wants to know more, please do go listen to our interview with them. Mm-hmm. But yes, I for me I had read the trigger warning so I knew it was coming, but I think maybe as a reader you just don't expect it to come so soon. It almost mm. feels like these sorts of events, it's like there's a build up to them and it might happen halfway through the book or near the end. So it's when it happens so early, I think it's perfectly natural to be shocked and taken aback mm. and perhaps wary of, okay, if, if this is where we're starting, <laughs> where is this story going to go? Mm. But at least from what I managed to read, for me, this was probably the most horrific event. I mean, there's other horrible things that happened, but, you know, in terms of... Yeah, so it has a very lasting effect on Velison and his entire mm. character. Emotionally speaking, I think there's definitely an element of... Guilt on his part, shame, he definitely mm-hmm. feels extremely ashamed about what happened, but also the fact that he was, you know, seen by mm. his his father and the envoys from Tithana, and he, yeah, basically he becomes suicidal, he tries to attempt, he attempts mm. suicide, twice, I think. Mm -hmm. At least in the span of the 50% of the book that I read, it was twice. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it was twice in total, I think.
0: Yeah, so very upsetting scene. And made probably even more upsetting by the fact that Killick has absolutely no remorse. He doesn't see this as an assault at all. He thinks it was just a game that they were playing. They had been perhaps a bit more aggressive in their sexual encounters before, and he just thought this was perfectly fine. He alludes to the fact that Velisin appeared to be enjoying himself physically because he had a physical reaction that Kilik thought was good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of these, all these circumstances make for a very traumatized Velocin. And he, yeah, I don't really know what else to say about him because this is the thing that follows him around. But he's obviously Mm. quite an, you know, forward thinking individual, I would say. He's very open minded, the fact that he is best friends with his manservant, that they've come up with their own language, their own way of communicating with each other. So his manservant is called Markle. We'll talk about him a bit more. He is his best friend. He is intrigued by Keithari when they meet, but also at the same time very apprehensive, very scared about what the expectations are from his side um, in terms of consummating the marriage because that is the tradition in Ralia that as soon as you get married, it's expected that you immediately have sex, which Mm -hmm. he is absolutely not prepared for. And... Yeah, what else do you want to say about Velison? So I think one of the things about Velison is that he
1: really struggles to figure out that. So spoiler alert: he they get married. Yeah, and he really, really struggles to figure out what his identity within the marriage is because mm. getting married to a man is something that was so far out of his realms of possibility that he's never had a had enough opportunity to imagine what it is so the closest way that he can identify it is as if he is the wife within the marriage mm-hmm. but obviously never having had cause to imagine what a wife would feel in a marriage he finds that really difficult as well so mm-hmm. that i mean the whole book just grapples with this the question of identity and he ends up in this almost utopia where everything is accepted and he just he really struggles to deal with that because because he he can't even really figure out who he is now, let mm-hmm. alone the society. And I think it's really well written from that point of view. It's obviously it draws from Foz's own experiences, but in a in a wider context, I think it's a really nice way of exploring. Identity and and the struggle of figuring out who you
0: are mm-hmm. in a fantasy setting. So by the end, what identity or what kind of role does he have in the marriage? So
1: I think by the end they are very much more equals. They've mm-hmm. kind of figured out who they are within the marriage. They have they had sex by the time you finish? So they do eventually have sex and fall in love with each other. And the end of the book is really they, they are now a unit. They've come Mm -hmm. together. They are married and a married unit and the other half of each other, as you would hope to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. and much more comfortable with their identities within or his identity within the marriage. I think for Kethari, it's a bit different because he's, it's always been a possibility for him. Mm. So it's not. And also I think we get less of Kethari's thoughts and opinions on things, to be honest.
0: Okay. Very good. So Kethari, I don't think I'll be as eloquent as you were in terms of describing Velocin because I didn't get as far in the book, but from what I do remember, so Kethari is the other main Male character. He is the second son of the nobleman slash king ruler of Tithana. He has one older sister called Rhea and one younger sister, Lycia, is how I'm going to pronounce her name. And he was absolutely not expecting to be the one in an arranged marriage at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But correct me if I'm wrong, he's bisexual. Yes. 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 I think I think yes. he mentioned that. And obviously, as you've already mentioned, Tithana is much more modern or forward in terms of sexual identity, gender identity, hierarchies, you know, gender equality within the the society in terms of everything really. So the fact that he is bisexual is is known, it's accepted, nobody has a problem with it. The fact that he will be marrying another man, perfectly acceptable as well within their traditions. So I think his main struggle at the beginning when he meets Velasin is probably trying to wrap his head around the fact that, okay, how is he going to communicate with this man who is absolutely not open and not fully accepting of themselves? Mm -hmm. But I really like Keithari because he's very understanding. He is you know, very accommodating, and he genuinely wants to know Velison as a person, make him feel as comfortable as he can. They move in together almost immediately, and once Kithari finds out what had happened to Velisin, you know, he feels bad about the fact that they shared a bed together the very first night, and he didn't even think that this would be an issue, but it caused uh, a panic attack in Velison. So... They get separate rooms, and he's very understanding. He wants to get to know Markle. He is the first person who's ever shown any interest in Markle and learning how to speak his language. So as far as I've gotten, he seems like a really nice person, Mm -hmm. just a genuinely decent human being. Mm -hmm. So I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. What about you?
1: Yeah, I really like him as well. I think... I struggled a little bit with how accepting he was, Mm -hmm. but having never imagined getting married to somebody without knowing them first, Mm -hmm. I guess an arranged marriage, I, I maybe, you know, maybe he would have spent a long time figuring out how to deal with that. I don't know. But he is, he's kind of a really stabilizing influence for Velison, who has PTSD from his assaults and he kind of just deals with stuff that Velison can't, which is really nice. It's it's kind of something that you you would want mm. if you were in the same position. I mean, who doesn't want a rock in their life, right? Yeah. Kethari does not remain as stable as he is towards the end of the book because so this is the major spoiler Mm -hmm. throughout the book there appears to be somebody who is threatening to well basically somebody's trying to kill Velison or Kethari Markle gets caught in the crossfire as they enter Tithani or the city I can't remember the name of the city on the journey there are some bandits who try to kill them and Velison manages to see them off through a combination of magic and reckless abandon because he doesn't care if he lives or dies. And the big mystery in the book is supposed to be who is trying to kill Velison and or Mm-hmm. There's an attempt on Kethari's father's life mm-hmm. and... Eventually, we discover that it is, in fact, Lycia who yeah, okay. is trying to kill them. Mm-hmm. And it, it all kind of stems from the mother is gone. Is she dead? She's Divorced. gone anyway. And so Kay's maternal grandmother, who is also in the book, whose name I don't remember, mm-hmm. has got one half of this great fortune that one of them stands to inherit and it's not even a fortune it's the responsibility it's the title of being the big head honcho and they've kind of accepted that Rhea who's the older sister will never will never get it and it's kind of between Lysaea and Kethari as to who will get this title and the lands and and not lands, but responsibility, wealth, etc. And the father has the other half of the decision. So, because, basically, Kethari isn't really that interested in politics, etc., and Lysaia is, so she kind of wants, wants it all. She wants to set up trade agreements and make them as prosperous as possible and she's got the right head for it she's really talented politically and kathari isn't really he's much more of a kind of soldier yep but father and grandmother have not announced who they want to take all of this on so it sets up this conflict between the two that kathari almost doesn't even realize is a factor He's he's like, he doesn't even really think about it because he just doesn't care. So Lysaia thinks, all right, I'll kill him. And then the decision is made. But she has to do it such that it doesn't appear to be her who's doing it. Because otherwise she won't be able to inherit everything. Uh, and obviously she gets caught. She kills their father. Oh, it happens pretty much at the end of the book, but as they start to uncover everything, things for Kethari start to unravel a little bit, mm-hmm. and Velison becomes a bit more. He starts he starts handling stuff more because he has to, mm. and and then obviously by the end of the book, there's like this huge drama, and Kethari doesn't really know how to deal with it, and the book kind of ends with that as the resolution mm-hmm. and then I imagine that the sequel will be a lot of Keithari figuring out how to cope with mm-hmm. the trauma of his sister having killed their father and also having been trying to kill him at every step of the way and now he also has all of this responsibility that he's never particularly wanted
0: or cared about Hmm. Okay. interesting Um, I'm not surprised that this is where the story goes. I did Mm -hmm. kind of have my suspicions that it was probably going to be the sister. It would have felt too random if it was some, if it was a character whom we hadn't met by the point where I finished reading. Mm. So yeah, this all makes sense. It feels like this is the main gist of the political story, I guess. It was all about political gain at the end of the day. Mm. I don't really have <laughs> much to say about the resolution and everything.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that is really interesting is I, before we started, was searching out synopses slash reviews of this book and not one of them that I found in, was it maybe 10 minutes of looking, mm-hmm. had even mentioned the sisters' existence. It was all about Kathari and Velasyn. So... It, the book spends so much of its time grappling with this question of identity and their, Bellison and Kay's relationship, that the plot itself is kind of irrelevant.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of how I felt. Like, I didn't care about this political intrigue. I didn't care about the the assassin and their identity. That's not what mm. was interesting me at all. That was just something that was happening in the background. mm Almost it as was a... almost like events to make Kay and Vel have exactly. a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, the other things that happen. So Markle is stabbed when they're entering the city. Velison's horse is killed. There's the attack on their on Kay, Kay's father, and I th- ah, and then they they manage to catch someone. I can't remember who it is, and they're. Trying to interrogate him, and then he's killed during the interrogation. And that's kind of where I left off. In terms of the this 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 external conflict, basically.
1: Yeah. So I think Vel's no. K's nickname is the the black knife. The wild knife, yeah. The wild knife, and uh, all of the. All of these attempts are people saying that they are the that they're back the the wild knife, and yeah. so she's trying to frame him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too much more to say about it either because I just like I say, I read it a long time ago. I don't really remember what was going on. Mm. It was interesting, but not as
0: interesting as other elements of the book. Mm. Yeah, I remember we meet. Or I met the maternal grandmother. I can't remember her name. Isn't she the... Doesn't she have like the library or something? Yeah. Yeah. So we, I met her then. And she had a conversation with Velison about the inheritance. And maybe another thing to mention about Velison is the fact that he is much more politically savvy than Kay. Mm. So Mm -hmm. he figures out a lot of things... Before Kay does, and, you know, kind of explains things to him that you, as Mm. you've already said, Kay just doesn't really either care about or know about, or doesn't think it's that important. So in that way, I think they make a good, a good pair. Mm. And I'm sure I would have enjoyed it if I'd, you know, if I'd gotten to the end. I'm happy to hear that they, you know, move forward in their romantic relationship as well. Which I already kind of got the feeling that they would because by the point that I finished, they had kissed. So there's already there is a physical attraction between them. That's mm. obvious, and also on an emotional level, they seem to be getting on really well. So yeah, the point where I left off is when Kilik shows up again. So okay, fine. He followed Velisin to Tithana. Seemingly to try and get him back, I guess is is his reasoning. Because yeah. as I said, he doesn't think that he did anything wrong. But Velison had already told Kethari what had happened, and Kethari said that because the assault happened when the envoy was already in Ralia and had witnessed what had occurred, technically, according to the rules, Velison was already promised to Kathari, so Kilik can be punished according to the Tithana laws. So there could be a trial, but Velisin doesn't want that because it would be public and he doesn't want everyone to know what had happened. So they agree that actually what they'll do is they'll use the Ralia uh, punishment, which is to brand Kilik as a rapist. Mm-hmm. So that's the last scene that I read when they did the branding. Uh,
1: okay, fine. So... Killick escapes and turns up at a ball slash event and is killed, I think. Oh. And it creates more political issues because obviously then the father finds out what's happened and that rather than go to him Kay has decided that they're going to enact this punishment by themselves mm-hmm. rather than get anybody else involved and uh it causes more problems and it could also cause problems between ralia and tith because they've disciplined a ralian citizen and now he's been i i think he's killed i might be wrong i'm pretty sure he is i'll take your word for it (laughs) I feel like we're probably not really doing the book justice because I remember so little of it and you've not (laughs) finished (laughs) it. it But anyway, yeah. (laughs) So the other person that I wanted to talk about is Markle. Please tell me about Markle. Markle is the... What did we call a manservant? And Velocin's best friend. He was a street urchin. I think you find all this out in the latter half of the book. He was a street urchin. He's mute. And he, Velocin encountered him at some point in his, in their childhood, and basically was like, he's going to be my manservant now, and nobody else really had anything else to say about it. Mm -hmm. They learned to communicate with sign language, which is half, like, official sign language and half just their own made-up thing. And the impact of that is that Markle is a fantastic spy, because... He's basically invisible because he has the disability of being mute. Everybody essentially ignores the fact that he's around, and they they kind of, because they can't communicate with him, assume that he doesn't understand what they're saying, so they'll say anything in front of him, Mm -hmm. and then he can obviously remember that and report back to Vel. And he also understands the Tithana language which the Tithonais don't, Tithonai citizens, (laughs) Tithonarians, don't know. So again, he can spy on them and he he does with glee, without giving away the fact that he understands them and that he can then transfer his knowledge to Val. He has a wicked sense of humour. He really, there's a lot of banter between the two. They get on really well and it's obviously really really important to Vel their relationship mm-hmm. and he falls in love with the with the person who nurses him back to health after he is caught in the crossfire between Lysaer's plots and Kethari and Bellison he is also largely responsible for Vel's acceptance of Kethari because he he starts to trust Kethari and that means Vel Feels like he can as well. hmm Yeah, I really like him. He's my favourite character.
0: Yeah, I think he's mine as well. He's again just a just a just a good person at the yeah. end of the day. And yeah, I like the fact that he's quite funny, he's very loyal, he loves in and is very accepting of Velisin as well. And yeah, from from the few scenes that he's been in that I've that I've read, I think he's my favourite as well.
1: Mm. There are a few other characters who I think we probably meet in the latter half of the book. There's one of Kay's ex-lovers, who is a military person.
0: Yes, he is mentioned, yeah.
1: There's a military person who is responsible for the death of Vel's horse. There's Rhea, who's the older sister, who is interesting from the point of view that she is married to a woman and... Mm. They want to have a child, and figuring out how they're going to achieve that Mm -hmm. is quite difficult, because she's basically trying to decide on a man who will be the donor for them, and she ends up deciding on Kay's ex-lover, which is complicated. Yeah, okay. (laughs) It's all kind of accepted at the end, but yeah, it is a little bit confusing i think it but it's but it it's sort of a good way f- to discuss how in this society children come about mm-hmm. when it's not a binary couple mm-hmm. um but again i can't really remember too much about it
0: yeah and then i guess there's Lycia uh the younger sister who you already told me about so mm. Yeah, there's the Envoy. I found the Envoy interesting as well. So the Envoy is non-binary. Yes, he's Kemi. Sorry, they are Kemi. And I found their character very interesting. I think they are the first Kemi that Velison meets, even though he Mm -hmm. knows that they are open and they exist Mm -hmm. in, in Tithana. And yeah, I just really liked them. I thought they were very... They're also related to Kay, aren't they? Aren't they the great uncle? Aren't they really... the, the maternal grandmother's sibling, I think? I really don't know. <laughs> if they in are, completely passed me by. Yeah. But they have a really good relationship with Kay. So Kay mm. confines, confides in them about what happened to Velison, And... Yeah, I just thought they're worth mentioning, I can't remember their name, but mm. it they are a character that sticks in my mind. Yeah. And I found it interesting also the the language used, it's not they and them as in T H E M or T H E Y. Mm-hmm. There is a different spelling in the book for mm. uh the Kemi characters. So I think they I think Foz uses T H I. Oh right. So it's them and Oh and their instead of their Oh interesting. I
1: obviously have missed that because I listened to it. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's worth mentioning as well, Foz has written and had published a number of books, but the reason I picked this one specifically was because this was the only one that had an audiobook. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, or it might have been the only one that had an audiobook that was also kind of more recent mm-hmm. because they're a bit more of an indie author, basically. Yeah. Um, the When it comes to language, I think it's... We did spend quite a long time discussing that with Foz, but one of the main things in the book is that there are two different... There's a Ralian language and a Tithani language. And... In Ralia, in the city that Vel and Markle were living, it became the fashion for them to use Tithani like, at their parties or whatever. So he speaks Tithani fluently as a result, but it's coloured by the sort of like court fashions and everything that happened on the party scene so when he first arrives in tithana he gets mocked for his accent and for his use of certain words Mm -hmm. and speaking as somebody who had an accent that was different and changed their accent when they moved to the to the uk because i used to have a very south african accent and now i have a very british accent thank you very much (sighs) i found that really interesting because it is something that you just don't think about unless you go through it yourself.
0: Yeah. I find accents fascinating. I find Mm. it so interesting how some people have an accent that's so typical to, you know, their mother tongue when they're speaking Mm. a foreign language, how some people are able to adapt their, their accents based on the country that they are in or the people that they're speaking to, whereas others it's just fixed and it'll never change. And that's just how they're Mm. always going to sound. So yeah. It was interesting to to read about that as well,
1: mm, that's not really something that's often brought up in literature, is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's I think what did Foss say that you kind of have two options when you're writing a fantasy story? You can either just make it a fantasy world, but everyone speaks English because mm-hmm. that's just the easiest if you're an English speaking author. Or you have a fantastical world where they speak different languages, but as a result of the fact that you're writing it in English, you're writing it in English in the book, but you inherently understand that the characters are not speaking English to each other. And yeah, it makes for interesting Mm. things when it's English on the page. But they might be speaking Rallian, and so the Tithenai can't mm. understand them, or you know the other way around. Mm. But you, as the reader, mm-hmm. can understand everything that's being said because it's translated, let's say, into English. Yeah, by the narrator. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, it, the the language question was really is really interesting. Just, I think, I think that was one of the things I found most interesting about our discussion discussion with Foz because they're obviously extremely knowledgeable about the way that language works mm, mm-hmm. because they also were talking about how every culture has got a different name for, for example, transgender or a different term. And that's because I made the point that it was really interesting the way that they'd made up all of these words for various, various things such as chemi. And that that is really integral to creating another world is that the understandings that we all have of, you know, like if you take the word gay, for example, 50, 100 years ago, that meant happy and bright and now it it has a completely different meaning. And so if you don't address that when you're writing, you're kind of not, you're not addressing a huge element of culture. Mm Mm-hmm. That last bit is not what they said; it's what, I, what I've said.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. Did you did this book remind you of any other book that we've read for the podcast? No, but I feel like it reminded you of one. Yes, it kind of reminded me of the Left Hand of Darkness way back when. In just in terms of of these elements mm. about gender roles and. In society and... Because in in the left hand of darkness, it's a whole other planet where the people are, like, gender fluid, was it? That they could either be male or female? Yeah. So I just... Certain small things, like, obviously not overall, because that was a completely, you know, different kind of story and everything, but Mm. certain things reminded me of that. So Interesting. I don't remember The Left Hand of
1: Darkness well enough for me to have thought that while I was reading it, but but now that you've said it, I definitely agree with you. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that I found interesting and at the beginning I rolled my eyes a little bit about was that you had Velison travelling from Ralia to Tithani in the company of the Envoy and I kind of as you say, the language is quite reminiscent of high fantasy. And at that point, I was a little bit like, oh my God, are we going to have another epic journey, like Lord of the Rings style? Because the the language development and the development of the world and the characters really does have a sort of Tolkien-esque overtone. And so I was like, oh, is this just another, like expedition that we're having to go through because there's so many books. I mean, I even mentioned His Dark Materials at the beginning. That is a journey Mm -hmm. to the mountain to throw the ring in, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was really pleased when we suddenly did get to to Tithana and
0: actually there was more than just the journey. I didn't think that it would take that long. So I didn't expect it to become like a Tolkien-esque journey. But yeah, I'm I think, definitely glad it didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because...
1: I think part of the reason it did is because I was listening to it on audiobook and that specific part of it, I had to re-listen to several times just because mm-hmm. of whatever was going on in my daily life. I mm-hmm. didn't catch it. So I think it probably felt like it was a lot longer than it actually
0: was. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to mention. So the other thing that I... Rem- or remember is that Velasin is the youngest of three s- well, from his father's first marriage he is the youngest of three sons mm. I think the oldest one is still alive, the okay. middle one died, but I can't remember how, and then his father remarried through an arranged marriage and has mm. a baby boy with mm-hmm. his new wife and... I think the new wife is quite close in age to Velisin, so you have that kind of element. Mm. But after Velisin is sexually assaulted by Killick at the beginning of the book, he kind of bonds with her is for what I remember, like when he's forced to basically get married he suddenly appreciates what she must have gone through to enter into an arranged marriage with his father, despite the fact that it seemingly they seem to be quite happy together. Mm. But initially, you know, they, she must have had some hesitations mm. and, and fears. So it's, I guess it's, it's kind of harks back to what you were saying about what is his role now in this new relationship that he's starting mm. with Keithari. The only way that he can see himself is as the woman who is being mm. married off to the nobleman, and he, I think he finds a newfound respect for all the other women who have had to go through this.
1: Yeah, it's um, definitely. It was a. It was a an interesting way of looking at it through the, the lens of a male gaze. I mean, I just, I just, I know that arranged marriage definitely does still exist. I'm very glad that in this day and age, if you don't want to get married or you don't meet somebody who you want to marry, etc., cetera, etc, cetera, you just don't have to mm. <laughs> because I imagine by the time I was 30, I would have been married off long ago rather than, you know yet to meet my husband, and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to mention?
1: Uh, Just that the next book I think is called All the Hidden Paths I wrote it down, hang on, where is it? Yeah, All the Hidden Paths will come out on the 5th of December 2023 and it deals with the fallout from Kay's sister having been the assassin slash arranger of Mm -hmm. the assassination's attempts and it from what I've seen mirrors this book slightly because they are then expected to to go to the capital city slash main city of this country and meet the people in charge. And Mm -hmm. so instead of being Velison traveling to Tithana and having to figure out his place in the world, it's the two of them as a unit traveling to the main city and figuring out their place as a couple. And also, obviously, with Kithari having now got all this responsibility as a result of his sister being mm-hmm. the big bad mm-hmm. who therefore can't um
0: so yeah i'm i'm interested do you think you'll finish it or are you i don't know i'm i just don't think i'll have the time yeah is really the the thing now we have still a few books coming up for the podcast that i'm keen to get done this year and with just with the way that work is going i don't know if i will find the time yeah. So, never say ne- never. Say never, but you know, I feel like if I leave it for too long, I'll just have forgotten, and I don't want to start again. Yeah. So I know what you mean. We'll see. Yeah.
1: Fair enough. Well, I will. I will. I am looking forward to the book coming out, and I will be okay. reading it. Good. I feel like it's it like the way that we've talked about it has come across as fairly negative. I feel like that always happens. And <laughs> to summarize, I I enjoyed it. Uh, the fact that I can't remember all the details in enough detail to talk about it in depth is not a reflection
0: of how I felt about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Whenever I'm editing our episodes and Andreas is listening in, he's like, you guys are always so negative. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you actually enjoy the books that you're reading? How did you give this four stops? Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just easier to talk about. Things that you, I guess, had issues with rather than just going, oh, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, me too. hmm Yeah, yeah okay, exactly. We'll it's,
1: it's, yeah. Okay, fine. So maybe with Markle, one of the things that I really loved about Markle the most was the sign mm-hmm. language. And yeah. the Edward and I are currently learning sign language mm-hmm. because uh, children, babies find it easier to master the motor skills required for sign language than they do for actual speech. And it can aid communication. And so for me, it's extremely topical. And it's something that I would love to continue once Edward is no longer a baby. Mm-hmm. Because I just think that it's it's an interesting form of communication that sort of non-hard of hearing people never really consider.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like, you know, I speak quite a few languages, but if I think about what's a language that I would want to learn next, it doesn't even pop into my mind as a a possibility, which is, Mm. you know, it's not a good thing. But Mm -hmm. I think like, oh, Spanish or, oh, Italian or an Asian language, but sign language, I don't know why it doesn't occur as an option. And how's it going? It's is really amazing. It
1: up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He signs. He signs for food. So when he wants to eat, and we can't decide, or I can't decide, if he if he's signing for more, as in I want more of that, or if he's clapping and he just can't because the sign for more is a closed fist with an open fist on top of it, open mm-hmm. hand on top of it, and that is British sign language because there are different forms of sign language as mm-hmm. well,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and. I, uh, yeah, I can't decide if he's signing more or clapping, but anyway, whatever. When he was from about the age of three months, so I used to do the sign for milk, which is just like milking a cow. And he started to recognize it really early on. Obviously, he couldn't do it himself, but he would be crying and I would do the sign for milk at him. And if he stopped crying, he's got this real particular little giggle that he has when he wants milk. And uh, it became a really easy way for us to tell if he was hungry or not. So Mm. it is amazing. I mean, he's only 11 months old and he's already managing to communicate stuff to us that he probably wouldn't be able to communicate unless he was crying. That's really, really fascinating. Yeah. Babies are fascinating. They, I mean, yeah. Also, how are we the dominant species on this planet looking at how our (laughs) infants are? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know.
0: Anyway. Anyway.
1: Alrighty, do you want to tell us what we're reading next?
0: Yes, we will be discussing The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. This Mm -hmm. was my choice, and I will discuss more why next time. I sincerely hope I'll finish it. (laughs) I have the physical copy as well, so I'm looking forward to reading a physical book again. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's that's the plan for next time. Very good. I'm looking
1: forward to discussing it. I have already read it. Very good. You're so on top of things, Corey. (laughs) uh, It's only because I refuse. I'm basically, apart from like books I've already read before, I'm refusing to allow myself to read new books if it's not podcast related, because I know uh, time is my enemy. Hmm. Same. And I don't have a full-time job either. So, you know.
0: I look forward to talking to you next time. Can't wait. Chat to you then. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening.
1: If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com, or find us on
0: Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.